This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I welcome Bruce Daisley to the show. Bruce will talk about how practical hacks for bringing more fulfillment to work can really change your life. Bruce, I'm really excited to dive into a conversation with you today. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. It's so lovely to chat to you. So you are incredibly well known for being a senior employee at Twitter, and that really impacted your life in so many ways. You started a podcast, and now you've written a book, and and just before the show, you were telling me you're working on another as well. So what was the genesis for Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, 30 Hacks for Bringing Joy to Your Job? I'm sure there's a story there. Yeah, well, very much so. I um like a lot of people, I've I found myself remembering and being enchanted by the most magical times that I'd ever worked in in different places. Teams that seemed to have just a, a really wonderful energy to them, a sense of collaboration, cooperation, actually just on a human level, just teams that I laughed with a lot. And so I was interested in I wonder what the, uh, the the magical source was for for good team cultures. Whether there was any formula, largely because I'd reached a stage in my job where um, I'd I'd been in my job at Twitter in in a really good working culture, and then something <laughs> something went wrong. Some circumstances changed, and it stopped being. Um, as enjoyable. And so the thing that I reached for, I was really intrigued whether there was a book written on how any of us could improve our workplace cultures. And and what I discovered was that, yes, there's no shortage of evidence and research on fixing workplace cultures, but um, none of it reaches people in work. And so I set about really doing doing a podcast to try and chat to the the people who were the experts on it and then I turned a lot of the learnings from that podcast into a book and the intention really clearly was to just to give um, an audience of people who maybe don't get to go on on executive training courses an insight in what any of us can do to improve our workplace cultures. You know Bruce it seems like stress and burnout and dare I say unhappiness are really becoming the norm for so many people at work. And that concerns me. What what do you think is driving this? Well, um, I think, you know, I was was fascinated with that myself because I was witnessing that the, this burnout epidemic, I know that the working situation that we're all in right now um, feels different, (laughs) but I, I was witnessing this burnout epidemic and I was confused what I could do by by some accounts if you look into the, the the data on this by some accounts half of all workers are burnt out it's even more for people who don't work in offices for uh, for educators for hospital workers it's even higher so so we're surrounded with with burnout as one of the facts of life for work and so I wanted to know what the reason was and it seems that some of the things that contribute to that burnout are um, the fact that a lot of us are working or being more available for work than ever before. The the average working day is increased by uh, a couple of hours from seven and a half hours a day 15 years ago to, to nine and a half hours a day now. And that 
that additional time, it might be us glancing at our phone before we jump in the car or before we get on the train. It might be us just answering a few emails while we're sitting on the, the couch in the evening. And that constant availability is one of the reasons why we're feeling more burnt out. We find work work haunts, uh, haunts us. It, we find it very difficult to escape um, thinking about work. And I think that's one of the challenges. It's it's um, Work pervades all parts of our life. So that's what I was intrigued with. Is there anything that any of us could do? And I wanted specific actions. I wanted, uh, rather than reading a book and, and getting... A, a sense of the direction I should be going in. I wanted to know the specific actions that I could take. Maybe if I'm not the boss, maybe if I, um, maybe if I've got one or two people who report to me. What are the actions that I could take to make work more agreeable? Well, and as a as a reader of your book and as a coach, I am grateful for that specificity because the book is beautifully compartmentalized into these thirty hacks, which are very actionable. So it gives the reader very specific uh, plans and strategies and tactics to, you know, adjust and pivot and change. But let's bring you back to the beginning of the book for our global audience. You start with how we can recharge our own energy and enthusiasm and creativity. Why did you start there? And perhaps you could weave in a few of your favorite hacks from this theme. Yeah, well, I, start, I largely started there all about um, trying to, to re-energize ourselves because one of the things I, disco- one of the things I discovered was that um, I, we mentioned before there's this epidemic, epidemic of burnout. But I remember one organization, organization chatted to me and what they described really rung true. They said that um, they had tried to re-energize their culture. They tried to transform the experience of working for their work. <laughs> their workers and and they discovered that um they'd arranged a three-hour kickoff meeting and no one had turned up for it and i think you know this is familiar with a lot of us that we the idea of attending another three three hour meeting just feels um a demand too far and so i was thinking okay i wonder why those people didn't turn up for that meeting and the reason largely is because all of us feel like another meeting is just something we can't necessarily accommodate and then I was like, okay, so is there anything that we could do to make those people feeling exhausted already, make them feel like they enjoy their job more? And um, and there's plenty of things. So let me give you some examples. So one of the best things that any of us could do is turn notifications off on our phone. And and we all have an anxiety about doing that. In fact, the, the guy at Carnegie Mellon University who led the research on this struggled to get enough people to um, to commit to turn their notifications off on their phone for a week. So he backed down. He said, OK, will people turn off their notifications on their phone for one day? Two years later, half of all the people who did it had still got their notifications turned off. So there is something that you might say, okay, I'm going to leave my social media notifications on. Or you might might say, you know, I'm going to leave my my text message, my iMessages left on, but everything else I'm going to turn off. But what you discover very quickly is a lot of us feel like we can't do this. But the moment we do it, um, we actually feel better for it. So that's an interesting thing for me. It's an illustration that we often feel more helpless than we are. And if we um, if we actually sort of look into to taking ownership of these things, it seems that we 
it, it actually enables us to do something. But then I was I was interested. So what could we any of us do to feel more energized, to feel uh, less exhausted? Things like walking meetings are amazingly successful for this. Uh, if we go for walking meetings, we often discover our creativity goes up. So we feel uh, more imaginative. Something called uh, divergent thinking goes up. So, so we feel more imaginative. We feel uh, full of, of more inspiration. So that was an interesting one for me. Things like turning notifications off, taking a lunch break, going for walking meetings. All of these things actually seem very simple. But I think it's only when it's down on paper that we actually say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And that's what I discovered. I discovered that when people set about taking on three or four of these things, especially if there's a, in a start point of feeling burnt out, they set about doing two or three of these things. And they often say at the end of it, I actually do feel better from this. So I think that was the interesting lesson for me that we, we often can have more of an impact on the way that we're feeling than we instinctively first imagine. Bruce will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, first, typically we don't timestamp shows, so they are evergreen. Uh, the world of podcasting is virtual and people can listen at any time, but I'm just going to be real and tell our global audience you and I are recording right smack in the middle of. COVID-19, where we've got a shelter in place. You're in London. I'm in the US. And our global listening audience is also impacted by this. And I share that because it could be months until we have any certainty. But my next question relates to office environment, right? We're working from home now out of necessity. But in the book, you talk about open offices. And I'd love for you to speak to that because now we're I don't want to say forced, but are, we are required to work at home for our own safety and well-being. And I think it's impacted how we think about the future of work. And I'd like to start with open offices. Tell me more. Yeah, well, the, I think the the uh, dream of op open offices is full, filled with the optimism that we, we often enter in, into these things with. So open offices, I think the promise of open offices is that they will inspire creativity. They'll inspire, inspire uh, walls to be broken down that will go and will riff ideas with members of other teams that will with other departments that will will find that ideas are unbounded but in fact when we look into the research of open offices the the result is very different we generally find with open offices that they they lead to a increase in email they lead to about a two-thirds reduction in face-to-face -face conversation um so they they seem to produce different results than we we might otherwise imagine and i think um, of course, a lot of us are going to find ourselves stuck in open offices now, not least because they are they're much cheaper 
and yeah. uh, they're, they're more easy for us to to actually accommodate these things in the, in the modern workplace. But if we understand the evidence against them, what it does enable us to do is to say, okay, well, let's try and work around this. So one of the things with open offices, people say, they're subject to constant interruptions. Mm. They report that the challenge for them is that they go to work, <laughs> they go to work and they can't get anything done. It's the perennial challenge of the open office. And so, you know, one of the things that a lot of people set about doing in the open office environment is they say, okay, I'm going to wear headphones. And the interesting thing is that um, some organizations say, oh, we're not going to permit headphones. We don't consider headphones are an acceptable uh, tool in our office. And I'm very strongly of the opinion that that headphones are actually a good idea and we we should use them. The But the issue that we need to overcome is of both of those things is that uh, clearly there are times where people need to get together, they need to discuss things. And I think so, you know, it might be that a group of desks, a group of seats all sit together and maybe they do wear headphones. But I think agreeing collectively amongst yourselves what times people are not going to be on headphones, um, what time people are going to be available for chat, I think is a really important part of of trying to make the most of the, the situation we're in. Sometimes in the research, this is called burstiness, like burst like a balloon, burstiness. And burstiness is where we tend to find that the most productive discussion that we have comes in um, in little bursts. So, you know, we, we may be planning a, a new event and all you want to know from your colleagues is uh, what cities we should be doing it and uh, and what month. Now, a quick response will just enable you to start putting a plan together. And the challenge we often find is that there's going to be two or three hours delay or maybe a day's delay. Teams who set themselves up for a little uh, daily bursty communication, they might say, you know, from uh, from two o'clock Eastern for two hours, everyone's going to be online. It just means that everyone can quickly communicate. People can adapt that. And then it means they can everyone can be more flexible about the rest of their day. And I think this is a really... Um, a really important accommodation. We can get the best out of an open office. We can get the best out of different situations, but we need to lead with the research. And and that will, for most of us, help us find a way to, to make work more enjoyable again. So let's talk about happiness and also unhappiness. I loved in the book uh, where you talk about how our teams and our colleagues can really impact our happiness. And likewise, a boss, right? Whether it's a supportive boss or a bad boss, in in quotes, how does that impact our our happiness and our well being at work? Yeah, well, there's really um, unequivocal evidence for the power of happiness, and here's some there's some remarkable things that people who are happy um, they tend to recover from illness quicker. They tend not to get ill. They tend to they tend to um, just. Uh, there's so many things that come from what psychologists would call positive affect, but from being in a sort of happy state of mind. So all of these things um, go incredibly well uh, and and are very helpful for us. But I guess the, the critical thing for most of us is how can we bring some of that to our teams? And there is no shortage of evidence. There's some wonderful work by um, a, a leading expert, a really an expert in the field, uh, a woman called Sigal Barside from, from Wharton University. And, uh, and she, she's 
calls this companionate love that when we get on with our colleagues when we like our colleagues when we dare i say love our colleagues it's it tends to lead to us feeling more productive more creative it tends to lead to us um doing a better job in our in our day-to-day job so these things from the evidence are not luxuries you know the enjoying your job and getting on with your colleagues generally leads to us doing a better job I think it's an important reminder for the evidence really leads the way. So then the question for us becomes, well, how can any of us try and achieve that? And uh, I was really taken with the amount of research that there is about uh, laughter at work, about when we find ourselves in a positive environment where we're able to laugh with colleagues. We seem to find that people are uh, more creative, more productive. So um, trying to find a way to get these things into our day to day seems to be an important way of making work feel more enjoyable. So let me ask, because you wrote this gorgeous book, you have bad days, right? You're human. Sometimes things just don't go well and you get in a mood. Do you have a particular hack to lift your spirits? Anything that you'd like to share as your personal favorite? Well, the, the number one thing that if any of us is feeling um, in any way down and, and not to diminish these things, but the um, the depression scale, the way that um, medics measure depression is on a 51 point scale. And an intervention with Prozac moves you on average 1.8 points along the, the depression scale. A good night's sleep on average moves you eight points. So wow. I would I would say that, you know, if any of us are feeling overwhelmed, uh, unhappy, happy, sad, the best thing you can do is prescribe yourself an early night because almost, and, and I, clearly I don't want to make light if people have got uh, bigger uh, issues there, but it's just a, a good reminder that quite often if you are feeling down, dejected, um, that actually sort of prescribing yourself an early night can be one of the most effective things that you could do. So I think that's what I generally try and do. I try and uh, err on the side of trying to 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 self um to get myself into a happy place first and foremost and that might be you know good food a bit of exercise to to tire myself out good night's sleep generally those things can contribute then um it's small interventions so you know i mentioned to you the power of lunch breaks is incredibly powerful and even if you set yourself a goal i'm just going to make sure i have a a good lunch break where i go for a walk or i I go and read my book or go and sit in the park or whatever's available to you wherever you work. But if you only set about doing that two or three days a week, you'll start seeing the impact in your mood. One of the really interesting things that I've observed is that um, one of the things that we can notice is when people take a lunch break, their energy on Saturday mornings is measurably better. Wow. That's fascinating because I think a lot of us find ourselves working through lunch because we've got so many emails and we're on deadline and we just need to get back to everyone. And uh, it's sometimes a false economy. What we discover is by working through lunch, we often become more and more weary. We sort of like a like a marathon runner trudging slowly to the 26th mile. And in fact, that break would have just allowed us to recharge the batteries and re-energize. So I think um, sometimes it's going to be a false economy. And that's why I say, don't beat yourself up. Set yourself the goal of having two lunch breaks a week to start. Try and take stock. Do I feel better for it? Generally, a bit of daylight helps as well. So you're getting out into the sunshine, maybe sitting and, and reading your book and um, 
and you what you're or listening to some music and and what you'll generally find is yeah you know what I feel okay today and I'm not doing the uh, the thing that often we do when we're exhausted we reach for carbs caffeine alcohol and you're not self medicating with those things and as a result by Saturday morning coming along you'll actually feel fresher and more able to do um more able to enjoy the real part of your job the 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 uh the the weekend break of your job bruce thank you so much i learned a lot from you today and i am really inspired by your book let me tell our global audience about it it's called eat sleep work repeat 30 hacks for bringing joy to your job and of course it's available on amazon and all major book retailers thank you i really enjoyed talking with you today Thank you so much. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.